I'm going to call the meeting to order and uh, will the clerk please call the roll call? Okay, do the roll call. And thank you. Commissioner Valentine? Present. Commissioner Lindsay? Present. Commissioner Butter? Present. Commissioner Dieter? Here. Commissioner Singer? Present. Commissioner Ramon? Here. Commissioner Desai? Here. Commissioner Henderson? Yes. Uh, okay, and Anna Brown uh, either will not be able to come or will be late. Um, she has duties, um, at, uh, critical duties at, at uh, City Hall in Piedmont. Pardon me? Um, so we'll get to that announcement in a minute. Um, but so anyway, is it better now? Okay, so uh, thank you for that then. Uh, Anna Brown uh, is either uh, not coming or will be late because she has critical duties that she's doing uh, for the city of Piedmont this evening. Um, so hoping she'll be here, but it would probably be pretty late if she does. So the next item on the agenda is a swearing in of, new of our new commissioner. Uh, who's gonna handle that from the staff side? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and, and read the oath to you. Yes. I'm going to, uh, so you can repeat after me. And does anybody have their hand up? Or, yes? Okay. And I state your name. I, Irene Dieter. Do solemnly swear or affirm. Do solemnly swear or affirm. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California and the Constitution of the State of California against all enemies foreign and domestic against all enemies foreign and domestic that I will bear truth uh, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any, any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I'm about to enter. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I am about to enter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Commissioner Dieter. Uh, we're now into uh, item three, approval of the minutes of January 18th. So does anybody have any uh, corrections? I move approval. Do we have a copy of the minutes? Yes, they were attached to the agenda. I'm not seeing them attached to my agenda. Um, Thank you.
Okay. Um, first of all, did anybody second that motion? Motion to approve the minutes has been seconded by Commissioner Dieter. Um, so is there any discussion, any corrections? Um, uh, President Lindsay, Commissioner Dieter wasn't at that meeting. Um, that's true. She's seconding the motion anyway. Um, so it's, it's before us. Uh, I don't hear any uh, objections or corrections. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and take a roll call vote, please. Going on the vote to on the motion for to approve the minutes. Any Commissioner Valentine? Aye. Commissioner Lindsay? Yeah, usually call the chair last, but but I'm oh, an I, I'm I'm an I also. Commissioner Butter? Aye. Commissioner Dieter? I did watch the meeting, President. Um, I can still say aye. Okay, I didn't know if I needed to abstain. Aye. Commissioner Singer? Aye. Commissioner Ramon? Aye. Commissioner Desai? Aye. Commissioner Henderson? Aye. Okay. Um, so now we have announcements. Uh, there's no discussion allowed on these items. Uh, first from staff and then from commissioners. Uh, are there any announcements from staff? No announcements from staff at this time. Okay. Announcements from commissioners? Ms. Aubrey? I have an announcement. <laughs> um, I uh, intend, I would like to share with the rest of the commission that I intend to ask if it's possible to come take a quick look at the setup for observing the vote count before the primary election. I think I've heard that you, that the a registrar of voters has made some um, good improvements and uh, it, it seems like it, it would be useful to know what the setup is like. So I look forward to doing that. So I'll follow up. Uh, I'd like to announce them that I would love to join that uh, exercise. Ditto for me. Uh, pardon me? I too would like to join that exercise. Okay, any other announcements? Yeah, just real quick, uh, just so I don't interrupt, I have to leave a little bit early today, so I'll be yeah. leaving around six. Um, and I have uh, four announcements, each one I hope that is very quick. Um, first of all, we checked into the our staff, checked into the sound system, asked several people, um, uh, you know, how was it? And uh, it only seems to be affecting one person. So the belief is that the sound system is now fine. Um, and hopefully everybody should be able to hear. If not, uh, somebody could move over to this side, correct? Um, if, if needed. Um, second thing is um, we heard you about the access of the agenda being on both the um, registrar voter side and on the Alameda County. You know, you can get there either way now. Staff has taken care of that. It's being uh, published at both places. There's now an email address. If you want to email the entire commission, you can do that. Um, it is, I don't know if we can write this somewhere. It would probably be handy, but it's very short. That's EOC, standing for the Election, Election Oversight Commission, EOC at 
acgov.org. So acgov.org is, is, you know, the Alameda County domain that you use for everybody's email. Uh, and it's just a EOC at that address. That will go to all the commissioners and it will also go to uh, staff that's supporting the commissioners. And again, I uh, want to thank the registrar's office for making that happen. Um, and then I just want to say uh, on item 7A, um, it turned out that we had an error with the agenda last time, a human error, uh, in which the agenda item said, um, I hear a report from the nominations committee not to take action on it. And so because of that, according to the Brown Act, it was not listed as an action item. That action has to be set aside and we need to do it again tonight. Um, that's just the law and I, my apologies for missing that. Um, are there any other announcements from anybody? If not, yes. Hi, this is Susan Henderson. So the issue about being people being able to hear, I wanna make sure people can hear. So, can you hear? It's still very difficult. I don't think. Is it okay for us to? I can say it. Uh, not, 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 not at this point, sir. But you can do it under under the non-agendized items or something. So um, I just want to say, yeah. if the people have difficulty hearing, we should accommodate them. We, not just say uh, we think it's fine. So. We're getting into discussion at this point, um, so we really can't do that at, at this point. Um, I'll just repeat the announcement, which was that um, I, I don't disagree with you, but we have to be careful about that. Um, the announcement was that they checked with other people that were there and they could all hear. So for the for the if there's one person that can't hear, we can talk with them afterwards and see what we can do to provide special accommodations or something. But it's not a generalized problem. That's that's what we were told. Um, so announcements are over. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, go ahead. I thought I heard you say in the announcement originally that people could sit over there mm -hmm. if they, anyone who was having trouble hearing was invited to sit over here where the sound might be better. Thank you for that. I forgot. Okay. So, um, we now have public comment on agenda items only. So please keep it to agenda items only, uh, public commenters. Okay, I'm going to start public comments uh, in person in Hunter Cobb. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, 
Are you going to unmute yourself and your, and your two minutes will start? Yes. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, this is Hunter Cobb of Alameda. And uh, I just want to make a comment about the, uh, uh, what is it, item, item five, the uh, presentation on the, uh, uh, the Alameda County Election Administration Plan. Um, earlier today, uh, I went, I, I'm a member of the Itaca, the election integrity team of Alameda County, California. And uh, together with my associate, uh, uh, Cindy Rocha, we went to observe the situation at the Registrar of Voters. And uh, there's, um, uh, well, just to, in, a, in a nutshell, there's, there's definitely um, the possibility to observe some activity um, and it, it's clear that some effort has been made to accommodate observation, um, but it's going to be, I think, very difficult to see. I mean, there's a difference between <laughs> seeing somebody actually from, you know, 20 or 30 feet away engaged in activity and actually observing specifically what what they're actually doing with with the ballots uh, and um, I mean there's a certain very large room where you're not at all close to where the activity is going on so you can see that activity is going on but you cannot really determine what you know you can't really make an assessment of, of what what the what the decisions are are being made by the, the workers. So I just want to make that comment. And I guess, I guess my time's up. Person here can't see the clock. Thank you, Mr. Cobb. Okay, online. Steve Chesson, Chesson, you have two minutes. Uh, thank you. My name is Steve Chesson. I'm president of Californians for Electoral Reform. My testimony relates to item 7C, discussion and possible action on election department appropriate responsiveness to questions and comments from commissioners, government staff, the press, and the public. As I promised at your last meeting, I wanted to give you an update on my public records request for a copy of the Dominion contract. When I completed my testimony last month, last, last month, the commission president said, I'd like to refer that matter to staff for follow-up. I was expecting that that would mean that I would receive a copy of the contract within a day or two. Imagine my surprise then, when at 8.03 when at 8 p.m. that very evening, about two hours after your meeting had ended, an email from Duena Gulat of the registrar's office landed in my inbox with the contract attached. I was impressed to find such responsiveness especially after normal working hours, and especially since it was a PDF scan of the 55-page document, which indicates to me that someone stayed late to find or print out a hard copy of the contract and then scan it on a copier rather than just email me the original PDF of the contract. I guess they had to do that to redact the signatures on the contract. 
For the record, Ms. Gulat did copy Tim Dupuis, Cynthia Corneo, and Jennifer Lee, all of the registrar's office, as well as Raymond Lara of the county council's office on that email, presumably to make sure that they knew that my request had been satisfied. So the good news is that the registrar's office did respond to my public records request. The bad news is that they did that six days after the legally mandated 10-day window for responding to such requests, and only after the intervention of the president of this commission. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chisholm. I'm glad to hear that you got it. Okay, we have an in-person speaker, Cindy Rocha. two minutes. Thanks, Nellie. Um, I just have a question, um, comments about the format for the agenda. We are, we have this opportunity to make public comment on items that are coming after this point in the agenda. So for example, if there's the presentation about the um, election administration plan, we won't have an opportunity to comment on that because when we get to the end on general comments, we won't be allowed to address anything that came prior. So that's kind of a catch 22 in my opinion. I would appreciate it in future, or maybe even at this meeting, if you can allow us to make um, two minutes of, of comments when we are on the actual item. That's all, thank you. Um, I think you have a good point. Uh, I don't know if we can fix it tonight, but I probably for the next one, yeah. Online, Jackie Coda. You'll have two minutes once you start talking. Thank you. Um, I'm uh, Jackie Coda Livermore. I'm I mean, Pleasanton, sorry, I'm uh, calling about items 6A, 7A, and 7C. Um, calling about uh, what I want to make the comment about 6A, uh, I'm sorry, 6B, um, is that uh, we participated in the edits of the election administration plan about a year and a half ago, and um, there was supposed to be a second uh, review after we had our suggested edits and our suggested edits were never incorporated. And one of the things is that uh, we wanted to incorporate was the word they had talked about was successful. They talk about successful elections. Um, as we've turned into the Voters' Choice Act, um, which is a voluntary thing, we could actually go back to precinct voting. Uh, but since then, we've had uh, the Mills College debacle We've had the voter. Uh, we've had where we've had voting rights advocates uh, that uh, sent letters back in 2020 to the registrar of voters about um, disenfranchised voters. Um, also, the right choice voting debacle, the HAVA complaints that were filed, where ballots did not match the actual machine count uh, that were witnessed by observers. And so to call us being a Voters' Choice Act as being successful is something that needs to be looked at because uh, successful is uh, measured in many ways, uh, not just actually getting through an election. Uh, not only that, uh, we wanted to discuss um, your suggestion for um, nominees for commissioners. With all due respect, uh, Lila Hensler not being even 18 years old yet is uh, kind of, um, 
we could see her being maybe an intern, but the public is quite concerned about that uh, suggestion. Um, we need someone who has more data analysis um, uh, experience. So uh, we would we would prefer you to look uh, further with regard to that. And then also, oh gosh, this is so fast, but um, uh, thank you, Pedro Hernandez. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Um, Pedro Hernandez, I'm the legal and policy director at California Common Cause. I unfortunately am uh, not able to join you there in person this evening. But I appreciate you all being here this evening and um, having you here to think about the future of Alameda County elections and what could be done better. I'm here to speak on item um, six um, and the report on uh, from the registrar's of voters office. I think it's great that this was agendized. Thank you for agendizing this. I look forward to the presentation. Um, I'm hoping that as part of the presentation, we will get to hear about how um, the ways in which the ROV is putting into place trainings or accountability systems to ensure that issues at the polling place um, don't arise or, you know, how uh, or what is being put in place to ensure that trainees are getting the training that they need in order to make sure that uh, every voter is able to cast their ballot properly and access language access services at their voting sites. Um, uh, I look forward, uh, I'll probably be commenting on other, <laughs> on your non-agenda items later this evening, but thank you so much for uh, putting this into your agenda. I think it's gonna be great for the public. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ms. Coda. I forgot to say thank you. And thank you, Mr. Hernandez. John Guerrero. Oh, yes. Hi. Uh, John Guerrero, Fremont. Uh, commenting on uh, you know, 6A and B. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, in the plan and also, you know, in our, you know, the status and future plans that uh, we address the the voter roll issue, and I just got off uh, you know another uh, meeting earlier this morning, and there, um, Santa Clara, you know, found two hundred thousand people they took off their rolls, and and they actually listed about a dozen other counties within California that took took off quite a bit, most notably, um, uh, you know, L.A. Like one point one million, but you know, everybody knows about that. But San Diego was close; was nearly, you know, half a million that had to be cleaned up. Maybe even more, like six hundred thousand. Um, and uh, nothing on Alameda County except that they were saying that the yeah, there's, you know, it's fairly opaque. And I hope that we, you know, address that because it's it's up and down the state. We got a real problem with the voter rolls. Um, then the other thing I'd like hopefully that we will uh, address in the, in the in the plan certainly in the plan is the uh, a chain of custody, um, especially I mean especially you know the the ballots coming in on election night and and well also the vote by mail, you know being able to track those things once they come in from the post office and drop boxes, um, I haven't really seen anything I put in 
uh, you know, uh, public records requests that and, and nothing has ever come up and I've repeated it several times. So I'm hoping that, you know, there's something in the plan uh, that would address it and make it transparent to the public because just, we just want to know, yeah, do you have it? And is it being, you know, followed properly? So thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Guerrero. Mindy Pechnik. Yes, hello. Hi, this is Mindy Pechnik from Oakland. I'm also the a can candidate for uh, State Assembly 18 district here in Oakland. And I want to second what John Guerrero just uh, presented to you as very important and urgent. Also, I want to comment on the fact that it's great to hear that the gentleman got his copy of his copy when Allison Hayden requested a copy two years ago and it was denied uh, of the Dominion contract. So I think you should uh, revisit that question. And I also think that the election commission needs to take immediate urgent action. We're in the middle of an election and we need to have observation capabilities that are absolutely available. I know in the last uh, 2022 election, observing was a, a joke by the board of supervisors, I'm sorry, by the ROV, where you're behind a plexiglass window looking at people and seeing motions, but you can't hear or see the ballots. If we're gonna have secure elections, we must have access to absolutely be able to observe in this uh, voting process, which has already started as of February 5th, going March 5th and beyond. So I am requesting that the election commission also take up the rights of those of us who want to observe to actually have adequate uh, ability to observe in this election process. So it's an urgent request to move that to the front of the agenda of the process. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Pechenik. Gerald Pechenik, you have two minutes. Okay, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes, I, I would also, um, um, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, P-I-L-F, sued Alameda County on February 6th for failure to make available public information. And I think I would like to hear Mr. Dupuis explain why he continuously and continually and doggedly is determined not to give the public the public information. And from that standpoint, it is not us who are part of the Election Integrity Committee of Alameda County. I am also a candidate for the District 5 Board of Supervisors. I intend to talk about this in a meeting tonight in Berkeley and other places. You, Mr. Dupuis, are the reason the public doesn't trust the elections. It's not us. We're trying to make it transparent and you have been totally non-transparent. So take the responsibility for why the public does not trust 
elections and please correct it. Be transparent. We don't need to stand in the back of the bus and hope we could see something. We need to be where we could see honestly and transparently. That's my comments. Thank you. That's it. Okay. So we're on to item six. Um, and that is presentation, uh, that's presentations and reports. Um, I remind you that discussion is allowed, but no action on these items. Um, so 6A is a report from the Registrar of Voters, uh, current department uh, priorities, future plans, any bottlenecks or issues that are coming up, that sort of thing. Thank you, President Lindsay. Uh, so I'm going to give you an update right now for, for this meeting uh, on where we are, what we see in terms of elections and uh, election work or, or pressures on the office. Uh, so uh, known elections and elections that were our potential elections uh, that we're watching for. So the current election that we're all aware of is the March 5th, 2024 presidential primary. Uh, as, a, as you're all probably aware, uh, ballots have been mailed out. Uh, the voter information guides uh, have gone out. Um, we did get questions in the office um, around uh, the correct voter information guide, meaning uh, the public uh, sometimes has some issues uh, realizing that there are actually two voter information guides. There's a voter information guide that comes from the state and there's a voter information guide that comes from the local elections. Um, and so we were getting calls uh, that they weren't seeing the local measures in the state guide, which typically gets uh, mailed out early, uh, earlier than our guide goes out. Uh, so those are some of the early questions that we've had. Um, People are receiving their ballots. We know they're getting their ballots. Hopefully all of our commissioners have received everything and the two guides, I hope you have. Um, uh, so they should be, be arriving shortly if they haven't already arrived. Um, and just so you know, we, we work very closely with USPS uh, to monitor uh, the mailing of, of all the ballots uh, that are going out and all the materials that we have going out. Uh, since that, that uh, uh, the presidential primary, March primary, we found out, we were notified by the city of Berkeley uh, that they had a resignation of one of their uh, council members. That's for uh, District 7. And, they, and uh, Berkeley uh, has uh, charter language on how we have to handle uh, the filling of those positions. They have to have a special election to fill the position. And we've been given a timeline by their city clerk who is the election official for their local races. So that election is uh, scheduled for April 16th. Uh, so that's the next month. Um, and then we have uh, scheduled, of course, the November 5th, 2024 general election. So those are the three known elections right now. Uh, we are watching, we're in a watch state uh, for the city of San Leandro. They have a vacancy. 
uh, at their last uh, council meeting, they were not able to come to an agreement on an appointment. And I think they have one more meeting before the deadline. Uh, we are talking with the uh, city clerk there in case they are not able to appoint. Uh, we'll have to work with their city clerk who will be the election official and see what their timeline is if that moves to having to be a special election. Then uh, we have city of Berkeley. There had, they had another resignation. Uh, so uh, we have not gotten the timeline for that. We've gotten a verbal that they may target May for that special election. We do know that there will be a special election, but we haven't gotten the official paperwork from the city clerk uh, for that. Uh, it is too far apart in terms of the announcements to try to consolidate it with the original, the first commissioner. So we will have two special elections for the city of Berkeley. Uh, then uh, what is being circulated for signatures for potential uh, elections. We are uh, staying in touch with the city of Oakland. We know that there's a mayor recall being circulated. We know that there is a, a ranked choice voting um, initiative uh, to have a special election before the November election to put to the people uh, a vote to see if uh, ranked choice voting, if Oakland desires to repeal ranked choice voting. So that's being circulated. Um, at the state level, uh, we have the state Senate District 10, uh, which are they're circulating recalls for petitions for that. Um, and we're working with the state on signature verification for, for that potential recall. Uh, Sonol Unified School District, uh, they are circulating a recall for their, um, for their uh, school district uh, board members. And, uh, and then the one that gets a lot of notoriety is the, uh, the district attorney recall. So uh, they, they have until March 5th um, for us to receive uh, the signatures. Uh, and to date, we have not received signatures in the office. So uh, we have no timetable on any of these because they all really depend on when we get uh, any movement into our office. So we, we, we know these are out there and, and we have strategies in place uh, for when they might enter our office. Um, but again, it's very fluid and it's, we're very dependent upon uh, the people circulating or the jurisdictions on when we are going to receive them to try to calendar anything. Uh, so that's my update on our current situation in the office in terms of elections. So you have the March primary and then a special election in April, a special election in May. Are there likely to be any other special elections between June and November? Again, I, it really will depend on when these things drop. Okay. Uh, so it's tough to put all the variable timetables together. And you know, there's other. We have to take a look at the the election code or their charters to see what whether they can consolidate into the November. You know, those are the discussions we have with the the, the various. If it's coming through a city with the city clerk to see what flexibility, how what the urgency is, and so on. So there's usually discussion once we get to that point. Thank you very much. So discussion and uh, questions and discussion. Um, so let me uh, just start a list here. Um, 
So um, we have uh, Commissioner Singer, uh, Butter. There was another hand up there. Uh, okay, Desai, are you on the list? Okay. Um, okay, so it's going to be Singer, Butter, Desai, and Valentine. So go ahead. So um, thank you very much for that list of upcoming elections, both certain and uncertain. Um, will we be able to get that list in writing? I can provide that to the commission. Yes. That would be great. And um, I think it would be a great, better use of, of our time here if that kind of list could be provided in writing before the meeting. Um, uh, I have a, a ton of questions, but I'll, I'll limit them. <laughs> and I, I would like to have uh, a better understanding of the best way. For, I'm going to have a lot of technical questions that maybe are not the use of the best use of public meeting time. And I would love to have a firm understanding of how to prioritize those and whether there's another good mechanism for me to get um, very technical answers um, from the staff. Um, what would it take for the elections guide, the, the voter guide, to be prominently featured on the website? Um, I looked for it. I did a Google search uh, of the site voter information guide, and I found the 2018 guide. So I'd like to request that the guide be prominently featured on the website as soon as it's available. Um, so we do, each individual has uh, a voter guide that's specific to their district right, or where, where they are, right? So somebody who is in um, Berkeley is going to have a different voter information guide than somebody who's in Livermore. So where we have the uh, voter information guide is when the voter goes into uh, my voter profile so you can look at your voter information specifically and your individualized guide is there. Uh, and I believe even if it's, it will be there in their preferred language, right? You can go to my voter profile. Um, if you go to my voter profile and then you go to the remote accessible vote by mail um, function, the actual voter profile is there for you to see all your races, to see um, candidate statements, to see full text of the measures, just as though you had the actual paper guide in your hands. So that's terrific. And it would be lovely if it were easy to find. So um, even just a message on the, I don't know if it's the landing page of the website or um, so that it's easy to find, that it's uh, search engines We'll know about it when people search for it. Um, and if possible, a PDF, you know, the various PDF versions, um, people are used to getting that. But the easy hit is to really, uh, at least I assume it's easy and maybe it's not and you want to tell me why, um, but to have on the front of the website so that it can be easily found by people through the usual searches. So we'll, we'll take a look at it. Thank you. Um, okay, I'll stop there. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Butter. Yes, the um, thank you for the report. It was very uh, informative, and I understand the challenges with upcoming elections uh, and the uncertainty as well. Um, my question is about uh, the item that says potential bottlenecks, and what what does that refer to, and what are the issues that you're concerned about from the ROV perspective? 
So I think the potential bottlenecks, I, I don't know, Commissioner Lindsay. That was, that, that was my verbiage. Um, <laughs> asking, are there any potential bottlenecks, um, you know, or just challenges or something like that, you know? So I, I refer to the challenges as, of course, these, all, these unknowns, if they hit all at once, uh, there's going to be a lot of adjustments that we're going to have to make and a lot of planning that we're going to have to make in order to achieve all of the deadlines that are going to be associated with these these elections. Um, but the fact they haven't hit us yet makes it very difficult for us to plan. We are planning uh, when they or if they hit, you know, how we're going to deal with it. Uh, and we're, we're uh, designating space if something happens. Uh, what, like if we need to validate signatures for the district attorney's recall. Well, we've, we're, we've earmarked space for that. We've earmarked staff for that in case that happens. Um, so it, it's a lot of what if, uh, but it hasn't happened. So right now we have to press forward with what's at hand, which is this current election. So a follow-up question then. Um, so what if, uh, two different cities want to have the election very close and you don't have the resources. Can you go back to the city and say, well, you need to move it back or how, how does that work? So whenever one of these elections, special elections comes up, if we see several, several things going on at once, we'll have a discussion with all the different parties involved to see what we can come up with that works for everybody. Okay, um, and we have uh, two other people, and I'd like to cut it there if we can. If somebody has a really pressing thing, we'll just have to accept that um, so that we can get through the um, so we can get through the agenda. So uh, there's been you know great questions so far, uh, Desai, and then uh, Commissioner Valentine. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to uplift uh, one of the public commenters questions, what um, are the trainings in place uh, for the primary election to ensure any issues um, are addressed? Um, I guess, so Ray's asking me if this falls, uh, falls under the election plan or do we talk about this under this item? Uh, why, don't we, why don't we talk about it under the election plan, is that okay? Right. Okay. And you're specifically referring to uh, people who, who don't have English as their first language, right? Because that was what the comment was about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, you've got a lot of potential special elections, and I know your hands are tied in terms of the timing. I'm curious to know if you can tell us anything about the cost to taxpayers, I mean, or just the cost, which is to taxpayers of all of these, if it's not much, then, then you know, there may be other reasons why it would be worth uh, legislators looking at figuring out a way to allow you to consolidate them better. But if it is a significant cost, then that definitely would be an impetus to look at that. So on our website, we have our published rates uh, for elections, uh, standalone um, elections are much more expensive. Um, if they can be 100% uh, vote by mail, and there's some rules about uh, what is allowed to be 100% vote by mail rather than having to have vote centers as well, um, that, that plays into the cost. If we can consolidate elections, the cost, depending on the overlap, right? You know, there's not, sometimes there isn't any overlap. 
even though they're at the same time. So there's some sharing of costs, but not nearly as advantage, advantageous as a very large election like what we're going into in March and November. So our greatest, our greatest savings, if you want to call it that, our lowest cost per voter is going to be in our, our large countywide elections because there's more cost sharing in those elections. When an election is standalone and requires vote centers, those are our most expensive uh, elections and, and you can see those costs online. Okay, um, if there's nobody else, I'd like to move the agenda. Okay, so we're finished with item 6A, report from the Registrar of Voters. We're on to item 6B. Um, Commissioner Desai, you'll be first on that list since we pushed off once we get to it. But we're going to have a, a presentation of it. I want to clarify something. Um, the um, people, I got some emails saying, why is this only 15 minutes? It's our election plan, you know, which is a reasonable question. And the answer is, we. We just barely started this commission. Um, the election plan was approved some time ago. Um, the election is happening. It's way too late to possibly change the election plan now anyway. Uh, it just couldn't be done. Um, so this is more educational for us to understand um, more about what's involved in an election plan and let people ask some questions about it. Um, the uh, all the commissioners got a copy and hopefully had a chance to look through it it's 25 pages ish or 30 pages something like that uh, it's not too bad um and uh i got through i read about half of it and then i skimmed the rest but you know <laughs> oh 40 pages all right um okay anyway I'm, I'm using up time for no good reason you're on okay um and i'll try to to make my presentation as brief as i can so we can field the questions. Um, so there was a question about uh, our election administration plan for this election. Uh, and from an education standpoint, taking it from that angle, um, uh, we are a Voters' Choice Act County. And as part of being a Voters' Choice Act County, we have to have a published election administration plan. We became a Voters Act, a Choice Act County in uh, the 2022 election cycle. Uh, the requirements on the election administration plan uh, as you're getting started as a Voters Choice Act County is to first publish your first version of it. And you have to uh, publish a second version of it two years later. So we've published the first version and we've published the second version. After you've published the second version, the Voters' Choice Act says that's the one uh, you now abide by for the next four years. Uh, so we are not required to revise the election administration plan that's approved by the Secretary of State uh, until uh, 2027. So going through the timeline, um, uh, we the uh, Primary in 2022 was June 2022, and uh, we uh, received approval of the first plan after public vetting uh, on April 2022 prior to that election. So we conducted the June 2022 election, the November 2022 election, and then we, we it, it's two years sounds like a lot of time, but we got through those two elections and then immediately moved into drafting up the second year 
the second version. Uh, so the uh, EAP renewal, uh, EAP election administration plan, try, not trying to use jargon too much, uh, it, uh, we started working on development and having development meetings with the public uh, in April of 2023. Uh, we had our, uh, uh, there's there's different stages. They're outlined in what you have to do in terms of public vetting, and there's specific names for these meetings. So, uh, the election renewal development plan meeting, April 2023. The election administration plan renewal public consult consultation, April 2023. The election administration public hearing, August 2023, uh, and publishing the amended election administration renewal draft August 2023 uh, the election administration plan renewal gets submitted to the Secretary of State in September and final approval is in September so each one of those steps had public vetting uh, I'm going to just give you a sample of the public that were involved in that uh, disability rights of California Asian law caucus the Alameda County Democratic uh, Party, ACLU, the League of Women's Voters, Itaca, uh, Oakland NAACP, the Republican Party. So, and that's just a sampling. So it was open to a broad range of folks. Uh, and again, this is outlined in the Voters' Choice Act statutes on what we have to do. And uh, we pattern it on what other counties have successfully done as well. We're not the first county to become a Voters' Choice Act county. So we, we are able to see what's been successful in other counties and pattern after that. And we did. Uh, so we've received our uh, letter from the Secretary of State that the Voters' Choice Act uh, uh, plan, the uh, election administration plan has been accepted and it's been posted on our website and it's also posted on the Secretary of State's website. If you go to the Secretary of State's website, you can see all of the election administration plans of all the Voters' Choice Act counties uh, at this point. And I believe there's over 25 counties at this point in the state that uh, are Voters' Choice Act. Um, I believe the board was given links to the plan, uh, but I'll, just for the record, I will, highlight a few of the items covered in the plan. Uh, uh, under the administration plan that we, we cover vote by mail processing, secure, secure vote by mail ballot collection, accessible vote by mail, drop box locations, vote centers, voter registration, replacement ballots. I mean, there's a lot around that theme. Uh, we, we cover voter education and outreach, um, talk about our direct mailers, um, we talk about election workers. We talk about the location of vote centers and ballot drop, drop off uh, locations and so on. We talk about budget, um, talk about community partners and we talk about language accessibility uh, and so on. So that it's, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. Um, and, and hopefully any of the commissioners who looked at it saw that there was a lot of thought and public betting that went into that. Um, so that's my update on the election, election administration plan. Thank you very much. Uh, questions, comments?
uh, Commissioner Desai first, and then uh, Commissioners Singer and Butter. Um, and did I get everybody? Okay, go ahead. Okay. I'm just going to ask my question again. Um, so, yeah, can you just share a little bit more about the trainings in place um, for the election to ensure any issues, especially related to language access, are addressed? Uh, certainly. So we recruit uh, close to a thousand. We, we, they used to be called poll workers, uh, but now that we've moved to Voters Choice Act and their their vote centers, we call them election workers. So we recruit uh, about a thousand uh, election workers, close to it, uh, and they go through about a four-hour training. Um, and in terms of language, we have our our uh, election workers who are multilingual and uh, we, we make sure they go through the training for that, that multilingual uh, aspect of it as well. Um, they do need to be able to speak English and their, uh, the, the, the additional languages. So we do, we do testing for that as well to make sure that they, they are multilingual. Uh, and uh, we also, uh, after the training, uh, we, we have labs available if they want to do some remedial training in terms of the equipment and, and such. Um, so that training is going on right now. Uh, in terms of once they're out at the vote centers, uh, we do have uh, troubleshooters that regularly circulate through the entire system uh, to make sure that uh, if there are any issues uh, that they can have somebody to talk to in person if they need them. Uh, we also have uh, video outreach uh, so we, we use technology uh, to try to have our people be at as many places as possible. Uh, so where we can take advantage of video conferencing, we do that as well in terms of uh, if they have any kind of questions or if there's, it, it's a lot of material that they have to go through in that four hours if anybody's ever gone through uh, a poll worker training class before. Um, so, so hopefully that answers your question. Did it? Excellent, thank you. Commissioner Singer. Are there written plans for aspects of election administration that are not covered in the election administration plan? Uh, for example, post-election auditing procedures, signature verification process for by mail ballots, um, detailed budget of the registrar of voters, not just the budget for uh, the VCA. So certainly there are many aspects to putting on election. There's the election administration plan covers the major components that we were required to cover for the Secretary of State. Uh, we certainly have, as I just described, we have a whole training manual for election workers. That's not included in the election administration plan. Uh, I'm, I'm working on submitting a budget for the department that will get vetted through the counties. Uh, budget process. Um, you know, we were entering budget season as we're dealing with elections as well. So the county will uh, adopt a budget at the end of June. Uh, so the, the complete budget for the department uh, projected for the next fiscal year, 24-25, uh, will be in front of the board. I'll be speaking to the board uh, publicly about that when that time comes. Um, so there are a number of details in terms of what we train to in the different in-office aspects of running the election that are not included in the election administration plan. 
And how might I see the poll worker training plan and, and other kinds of documents that describe process at the ROV? So we can work with you on whatever documents you're interested in seeing. Um, there's, we, we just need to know what you're interested in looking at. So first, I'd love to have a list of everything you have. <laughs> <laughs> and that is probably going to be the list I'll send you back. <laughs> Every process document that, every process document, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have to say that um, when I used to be in software and somebody would say, uh, fix this bug, and I'd say, what, you know, where is it? And they'd say, just fix it everywhere it is. <laughs> uh, you, you know, um, irk, you know. Um, so maybe some combination of that, you know, where you say things you want, you can say, here's something else you might want or something like that. But, um, it could just be, send me everything you have. Sounds like a heck of a discovery request, but, you know, go ahead. You're, you're, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to work with you on that, but, you know, as a first pass, you know, the list of the things that come to mind. So just, uh, just from a practical standpoint, I mean, certainly we want to work with you commissioner. Um, we are in that list of elections that I just put together. Uh, this is go time for us. Uh, what you've just asked for could take a lot of cycles from staff um, and uh, it could put a burden on us uh, in order to get that to you in a short period of time. So I, I want to be clear that I respect very much the pressures on you as an election official and as a former election official, I know what that's like. And at the same time, um, uh, I would please do get them to me in a reasonable amount of time where reasonable includes that you have an election coming up, but reasonable does not include that you have a lot of elections this year that you have to manage. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't take, you know, it shouldn't take a year. It, it should be, I, I know that there are ways to get things done in between times. And there are certain times where you really can't do anything else. Uh, but I also know that it's quite possible to uh, do other things in the course of the election season. Okay, well, let's just, I mean, I, you know, so, so um, department documents, I think might be something that, um, why don't we just say everybody has goodwill? If you can send them a list of things that you know that you want, that would be very helpful to them. Sure. Um, you guys can um, just use your goodwill and think, what it could be and what's you know and maybe let let uh um, the commissioner and maybe the whole commission know when you think you can get stuff and it's probably not going to be perfect there's going to be things nobody thought of okay we'll live um there's the issue of if if it's um if we get something it must be publicly available so it might be nice if that was and there's a whole research and documents section on the website somewhere but i forget where it is um, anyway let's not let's not try to resolve this completely um, but just assume that if it's okay, that there's going to be reasonable goodwill and we'll make it happen as soon as we reasonably can. Thank you. That's my intent. Great. Uh, Commissioner Butter. Yes. Um, thank you for the detailed administrative plan. I did read through it and I have a couple of questions that I didn't see there. I'm interested in how the ballot counting process works. You get ballots from all different places and which 
does uh, is represented in the plan. But then what happens after that? Um, you know, I, you've got the vote by mail, you've got the, the in-person uh, ballots. So, and I don't know whether you have a document that describes that um, or if there's more information that we can get um, to, to talk about um, how that works. So, I, I mean, I can speak to it in general right now, if you'd like, or we can uh, look at putting a, a, another report together uh, for that. I mean, we will have, if, you, if you'd like that as a report out for a future meeting. Uh, I, th I think that would be great. I think everybody would be interested in this. Um, but maybe you could give the one minute. Uh, okay. 10,000 10, foot, uh, you know. This is very high level. So, yes, yes, exactly. Um, so right now we're receiving the early votes, vote by mail. Uh, we do have people coming to our office uh, uh, requesting a ballot to vote, and that, that is given to them, and it, it turns into a vote by mail as an early vote. Uh, uh, Ten days prior to the election, we will open up our first vote centers, and so there will be uh, the start of in-person voting uh, that, that Saturday, uh, two Saturdays before Election Day. Uh, and there's a, a formula for ramping up the number of vote centers until we get to 100 vote centers uh, for that election. So there will be a combination of the vote at the vote centers of in-person voting and people dropping off vote by mail. Uh, and then finally, we have our election day uh, processing uh, of in-person voting. In terms of what we can do in the office, about 10 days before the election is when we can actually start processing the vote by mails. Uh, and processing means that, that we're able to do our signature checking, we're able to extract the ballots from the envelopes, we're able to uh, get them through scanning, but they're not actually tallied at that point. Um, when we hit eight o'clock on election night, uh, when you see that within say 15 to 20 minutes of uh, polls closing, the early votes being posted, those are the early votes that during all of that period of time, we were able to stage and get ready for that first posting. The rest of that first night is only focused on the in-person voting. So we, we, we get all of the in-person voting, if we can, processed through by the time we close our doors on election night, which sometimes is after midnight. Um, after that, uh, once the in-person voting is finished, uh, we move back to vote by mail, and that's what we spend the rest of our time after the election, focusing uh, very much on that uh, vote by mail uh, voting uh, that we received. And our voters tend to, um, that we, we encourage them to vote early, but it's uh, human nature. They tend, a large number of voters tend to take their vote by mails and drop them either in the mail or at a vote center or one of our drop boxes on election day. So we get a, a very large number of vote by mails on uh, election night that uh, then we have to spend uh, the time processing after the election. Uh, we also do have to um, pay attention to postmarks uh, uh, for uh, seven days, right? Uh, for seven days after the election. Uh, if uh, we receive mail, vote by mails by mail uh, that are postmarked election day or earlier, up to seven days after the election, uh, those also have to be brought into the mix and processed. And I have a question, which is 
Um, as I understand it, if let's say somebody didn't speak one of the big four languages, um, Spanish, Tagalog, and there was a couple others um, that are like really fully supported. Uh, but there's a secondary level of support where there's like facsimiles or something, if I read this right, um, mm -hmm. that at the vote centers. Um, suppose one is, uh, there's a whole bunch of secondary languages, uh, secondary language support. Uh, there's a list of 10 or 12 of them or something. Um, but I'm just going to use Hindi as an example because I'm a, an example kind of guy. Um, suppose somebody speaks Hindi and not much English. Um, and they get their... They, they get their packet in the mail. Um, if they don't speak English and they only speak Hindi, then they really don't know what they're doing unless somebody translate, you know, like a kid in the house translates for them or something, or they have to go to a, a voice, vote center. They just have kind of no hope. Is that correct? So they, if they come to a vote center, they can get a facsimile ballot. Do you, do you want to cover it? Cynthia will cover this in more detail. Okay. But but my actual question, I, I understand that the vote center, that they get all kinds of support. There's likely to be a translator or at least access to a translator in some fashion. There's facsimile. I'm concerned about the people who speak these secondary languages who don't go to a vote center. That's my, my worry. So the law prescribes that all election officials must send a facsimile ballot in the mail to voters that have a language preference. Um, and it's targeted though. So if, for instance, there was a voter that um, Hindi is their first language and they happen to fall within a targeted area where we would be supporting Hindi, then we would send them a facsimile ballot separately and then their vote by mail ballot in the default English Spanish. And then they could reference that to help them fill out their English um, ballot. So if they're not in a, in a Hindi, you know, sort of area, um, and can they still register as being a Hindi yes. and still get the... They can register as being Hindi. Uh -huh. um, what we provide is, I think um, Tim had stated, language assistance. Uh -huh. So we have hotlines for all of our supported languages, the state languages okay. and the federal languages. So without going to the vote center, they could make a phone Absolutely. call anyway to get some help. Okay. okay. Yep. Thank you. Any other? And I have a clarifying question about our role tonight. And as I understand it, um, the the plan has been written. There was a two-year window and then a four-year window. So we will not actually be able to make any updates to your plan for a, a few more years, correct? So the obligation with the state is uh, that we, we renew it in four years. Okay. So I had a couple ideas for what should go in the plan, and I am assuming that um, I should just hold those couple ideas and wait until that comes before us to for updating the plan. I mean, for instance, there are many people who wonder about when their mail by when their mail in ballot is counted. You know, some states count all the mail in ballots as they come in, but 
here we do not. So part of that is not spelled out in the plan. And a couple security things might be helpful for voters too. So I just wanna be able to have an opportunity to weigh in at the appropriate time for a couple ideas. So I don't think those ideas are off limits just because the election administration for the state doesn't get renewed until four years out. I think I actually that's probably one of the reasons we have a commission is to start looking at ideas like that that we can incorporate early. Uh, and we're open to talking about that. So tonight is appropriate to, to suggest that you actually include when the mail-in ballots, vote-by-mail ballots are counted. Um, so I, I can answer that question. Um, <laughs> it, it, we're going to start going down rabbit holes. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm a little concerned about the time, if, if that's okay. No, that's and, fine. And what you could do is you can suggest an agenda item, right, uh, for things like this. Um, so that we can get it agendized later. And it's so funny because I thought it was one sentence to <laughs> add to a plan. Uh, um, right. So, um, well, you know, uh, yeah. I, I didn't mean to start a conversation. It was just an idea. Right. And I, a quick, the quick answer is uh, that we, we do give the voters uh, a tool. Actually, it's across the state. It's called Ballot Tracks, uh, where you can track your ballot. If you sign up for it, it actually tracks your ballot coming to you before you even vote and it tracks it coming back. Um, I, I know you're very familiar with elections, so uh, you're, I'm sure you're using your, your questions. Uh, very, it, there's a difference between when we receive it and when it gets counted. And correct, so, but that's not spelled out in the plan. Correct. You, you do a very good job of saying all the procedures about um, the security of the mail-in ballots and all of that. But I think for the average voter, it would be helpful to know when mail-in ballots are voted. Because you do say, I mean counted, uh, because you do say that um, they were, let's see, a chain of custody. You go through the whole thing about the tracking system. Signatures are verified, they're sorted into precincts, the ballots are stored, but it doesn't say the ballots are counted when. <laughs> right. And so uh, to get, get into the weeds, and I, I think I should cover it when we do go more into the processing update. Um, when the ballot, the vote by mail ballot is separated from the envelope, at that point, we can't say that your vote. Uh, we can't say when that vote went into the tally system. You know, it's now in process as an anonymous vote. And we wouldn't be able to say, all right, your particular ballot just went through the scanner. Because once, it, once the envelope is separated from the ballot, it's now anonymous. Uh, so we can tell, that that's why in the state of California, we tell you when it's arrived at our offices and being processed as opposed to uh, saying that it has been counted on the state server. So am I correct that some states start counting mail-in ballots because, you know, as soon as the polls close, they already have a bunch of counted. Um... So what we are so using the word counted is, it, it, we will say tally. We are not allowed to tally any votes until after eight o'clock when the polls close. We are allowed to have our systems staged 
so that when eight o'clock happens, we can hit a button and what's in the system then gets tallied at that point. Different states do it differently though, right? Um, I'm not as familiar with other states, oh. Cynthia, are you? Okay. Couldn't speak to it directly, but I do know that some of them do. Yes, yeah. it's, there are several states where they can count, they can tally the ballots ahead of election day. In California, you cannot. Eight o'clock is the earliest on election night. Okay. So um, I'd like to move the agenda, if that's okay, um, to item 6C. Um, we're a little bit behind time, but I don't think it's quite uh, horrible. Um, so, and this is questions about the Brown Act. So hopefully everybody watched the video uh, or has prior experience with the Brown Act. Um, and uh, so we're not going to get a presentation on the Brown Act. There's not time. I've been to many of those. They often take an hour, um, you know, for a full-blown presentation on the Brown Act. So we're trying to do this more efficiently. And we also, as it was pointed out the other time, we don't have all our commissioners. We could do an hour training and then have to do it another one, you know. So it's like, so that's why we're doing it in this way. Um, so um, questions about the Brown Act? No questions at all? Everybody feels totally comfortable? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there should be a test. Uh, did you bring the test? <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to ask a couple of leading questions, maybe. Um, so, uh, and, the, and these are mainly, uh, you know, Ray Lahr is going to handle them. Um, so one question is, suppose that um, a member of the public was to contact one of us and chat with us about issue X, right? And we tell them, oh, yeah, I completely agree with you, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You sound spot on. Um, you know, I'll see if I can get it on an agenda, et cetera. And then uh, the same member of the public was to call um, another commissioner. Um, so what, what problems could occur from that sort of thing and when would it be okay? So that's a good question. That is a really good question. And, you know, um, I know we're pressed for time, but I'm going to have to go into the federal supremacy clause of the U.S. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, no. So, but it, but it does come up. So it is a federal issue because um, the public has a right to reach out to their representatives, and it's a First Amendment right, which is a U.S. Constitution right, um, and that would override the Brown Act, um, but it would be prudent, and you could say, you know, thank you for contacting me, but please don't share what the other commissioner said because I'm concerned about the Brown Act, um, you know, and then kind of, you, I would have to leave it up to your judgment on, you know, whether you hang up or, <laughs> or you know, stop texting or, or, you know, don't reply to the email kind of thing. But, but that's kind of the gist of, of it. But that's a very good question. And it comes up. Um, comes up all the time. Um, so if a member of the public, um, if a member of the public calls, I ask them straight up before we even talk about the issue. Have you talked to any other commissioners about this? Will you please not tell any of them what I say because of the Brown Act? Uh, and don't tell me what they said because of the Brown Act. Uh, and they go, oh, gosh, uh, okay, right? And then if I actually believe them, <laughs> I might have a real conversation with them. 
But if people are ever wondering why when you call a council member, you talk to somebody like that, and they go, you know, they just dodge all your questions. Uh, it's not just political. It's also they've been trained not to answer often. I've been trained in on commissions where staff says, don't answer their questions because you're just going to get in Brown Act trouble, uh, which is an unfortunate thing to say. Um, but, you know, so sometimes that's why they're not answering because they, they're afraid you're going to, you know, blab what you said and then there'll be a Brown Act violation. Um, another question I have is about... Um, people sending an email and CCing other commissioners? Sorry, can I oh, yeah, yeah, follow please. up with that? So um, um, uh, what about the press? Same issue with the press. So um, Yeah, thoughts? I mean, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because, you know, if, if you do indulge and engage them, then their next story is going to be, oh, commissioner <laughs> so-and-so just violated the Brown Act. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, you do have to be careful, you know, hopefully the press has ethics and, um, you know, they're, they're usually more sophisticated on the Brown Act. Um, I, I shouldn't say that the public's pretty sophisticated on the Brown Act as well. Um, but, you know, dealing with local governments, you know, usually the press is, is more knowledgeable about the Brown Act. Um, you know, I haven't heard that coming up a lot, um, but I think it's the same thing. And again, they have a right to reach out to you, obviously, because that's a U.S. Constitution, right? Um, and you know, you have the right to use your judgment, uh, just as as Commissioner Lindsay kind of outlined and, and illustrated. Uh, so it's kind of the same thing, yeah. So, what advice would you have for commissioners if they're talking with each other about something? So, suppose I call up Commissioner Ramon and mm -hmm. say, "I'd like to chat with you about issue Y." Uh, we already used up X, you know. Um, so about issue Y, um, any advice on prudent action on that situation? You know, unless it's a committee, I would say not to do it outside of a regular meeting. Um, you know, the Brown Act is very specific on exceptions. You know, for example, if you go to a social event, or if you go to the Board of Supervisors meetings, you know, and there's a, there's a, a quorum, you know, you're, you can't talk about your jurisdiction, your area of business without violating the Brown Act. Um, so, you know, if you start reaching out to one member, you know, there are a million ways that that could get out. You know, you can get a constituent, for example, just pulling an example out of the air, <laughs> who then calls, you know, another commissioner and says, oh, you know, I, I talked to Commissioner Ramon and, and guess what he said about John Lindsay. <laughs> you know, or guess what he, you know, guess what Lindsay told him, you know, and then it, it gets, you know, can get messy pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, I mean, legally, technically, that's not a Brown Act violation. But the concern is it could quickly get out of hand. And, you know, once you let it out, it's out of your control. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's not even, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to, to talk in, in this tone, because it's not usually anything malicious or, you know, people don't want to do the something bad everybody wants to do the right thing you know you just lose control of it and and you know it kind of takes a life of its own yeah and what what i um i actually encourage people to talk to other commissioners because and i'll explain why in a minute i totally understand where you're coming from um the brown act can people can be so afraid of the brown act that they enclose themselves in a little bubble and won't talk to anybody between meetings 
that's not good. People need to get to know each other. I mean, you can have coffee and avoid talking about, um, you know, issues. You can get to know each other in that way. But there may be an issue you want to talk about. But the thing he said about subcommittees uh, is really true. If if the two of us talk about something, we have just made a de facto subcommittee of two people. That's what just happened. We've now made a Brown Act subcommittee of two people by talking about an issue. Um, and now, you know, so now you both have to know who, you know, you have, before you talk to anybody else, you got to check in with each other. Uh, if a subcommittee is formed uh, of the group, uh, you, you need to disclose it or, some, you know, it's just so you got to be really, really careful if you're going to do that. But it's, it's a balancing act. But otherwise, you can like feel like you're completely isolated and you can't do anything between meetings. Um, so that's a problem, too. It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Uh, but just if you do talk with people, um, outside of meetings, just be really careful and, and keep it really in mind um, because it, it can kind of be a gotcha. Um, so. uh, any other thoughts or questions people are wondering about? Okay. Well, that was, we just caught up. Um, so uh, we're going to move on to uh, item seven, action items. Um, I guess we're not completely caught up, but we're, th we're within bounds. Um, so the first, so uh, item A is report from the subcommittee on nominations. There's a written report in your agenda. Um, and uh, Commissioners Ramon and Commissioner Singer are the subcommittee. Um, so uh, this came up last time and we had a discussion and we took action. Um, I don't think we need to repeat everything necessarily. A lot of it's in writing, but... Um, do you want to, um, I would, I, I think it would be good to have a motion and then we can have discussion of the motion, uh, if you're up for that. I said one good way to make this be quicker might be, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you guys take a couple of minutes and just run through the three people you're suggesting, uh, and then make a motion and then there can be discussion, assuming there's a second, um, then there can be discussion at that point. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. And that was the quickest two minutes ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd like to make a motion uh, uh, for the, the, uh, the commission to consider the three individuals that we've included in the attached report on the agenda. Why don't you state their names for the record, please? Uh, and for the record, their names are Benita Tsao, Leela Hensler, and Judith Belcher. Is there a second to that motion? First of all, is that motion uh, not for us to consider, but to nominate those? Uh, yes, sorry, for the clar to clarify, is to consider and to nominate. I second the motion. Actually, um, can I suggest a... a replacement motion because because of the issue of Leela Hensler's age and that she's not a registered voter. I, I suggest that first we um, uh, we nominate Benita Tsao and Judy Belcher or we recommend them to the Board of Supervisors for nomination to the we nominate. We nominate. I, I move we nominate Benita Tsao and Judy Belcher 
using um, sort of a relaxed set of uh, rubber tools. Uh, we, is that acceptable to you? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, okay, and the seconder? Yes, I second. Okay, so the current motion that we have is uh, to nominate Benita Tsao and Judith Belcher. Um, we would send that nomination to the Board of Supervisors. They would hopefully consider it at the next Board of Supervisors meeting, and we would see them in March. You know, that's probably what would happen because it usually just goes on the consent calendar. Uh, we should discuss first. Um, so discussion uh, on Benita Tsao or Judith Belcher from the commission, of course. There's no discussion? I, I, have, I have no additional comments other than what's included in the report. Um, I know last time there was a question about whether or not uh, from my discussions, um, if uh, Benita Sow is someone that could work with other people, yes, I believe that's, that she can. Uh, she's open-minded um, and, uh, and conscientious, in my opinion. Super. Um, since there are there is no discussion, then uh, let's take a roll call vote. Okay. On the motion to nominate Benita Sow and... The, the last one, Judith Belcher. Oh, Judith Belcher. Okay. Vice President Valentine? Aye. Commissioner Butter? Aye. Commissioner Dieter? Aye. Commissioner Singer? Aye. Commissioner Ramon? Aye. Commissioner Desai? Aye. Commissioner Henderson? Aye. And President Lindsay? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Um, and how would people, what would people like to do about, uh, well, maybe Stephanie, you have an idea about uh, how we should handle Leela Hensler? Yes, if it's acceptable, I move that we nominate Leela Hensler to be uh, put on the commission as soon as she is a registered voter in Alameda County, with the understanding that and not, um, yeah. Sorry, I mean, like, what if she doesn't register for a while, right? <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I move that if Leela Hensler registers to vote within the next two months, that we nominate her, that she be nominated for the commission. Um, I, I believe she uh, shared that she has pre-registered, so that should... I believe the discussion last time said that that was actually not enough, that she needed to be registered voter, no, no, if I understood my, correctly. No, I'm, mis I'm sorry, I'm miscommunicating. I'm not suggesting that we should act differently now. My point is simply that there shouldn't be a question about when she registers because she is pre-registered. Thank so. you. Okay, can I, if I may modify the well, motion? Uh, and, and, and her birthday is in March, I'm almost positive. Yeah. Right. March 18th, I believe. Yeah. So I move that as soon as Lula Hensler, given that she's pre-registered to vote, as soon as she turns 18, that she'd be nominated to the commission. So let's see, March 18th is her birthday. How, how useful to know that. And we're meeting when in March? Does anybody know? I don't, I don't know. It's March 21st. Uh, we're, meet, we're meeting March 21st. So, um, Ray, suggestions on how we could word this or get this so that uh, the, 
Board of Supervisors can deal with it. Can we can we nominate her as of March 18th? Yeah, so we did discuss this a little bit. I think you can nominate her now, contingent on you know her remaining pre-registered and becoming registered as of March 18th. Okay. Um, so if, let me see if this wording is right, and then if it's agreeable, that we would nominate um, Leela Hensler uh, contingent on or to be considered on uh, on um, March 18th, 2024. Anytime after March 18th, yeah, yeah. 2024. Okay. Uh, on or after. Um, on or after March 18th. Does that work for everybody, Irene? Clarifying question. This is all about getting it to the Board of Supervisors. So can they actually appoint someone before they are 18? So my point is, is why don't we just make the nomination at our, um, make our nomination after she turns 18 and we don't have to worry about all this at our next meeting. It's two days later. Well, um, are they going to meet between the 18th and the 25th? The Board of Supes, I don't even know what their schedule is, to be honest. So I don't know um, yeah. myself. Maybe, maybe um, that's just the cleaner way to do this, is just consider it the next meeting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine with us. What's the subcommittee? Yeah. yeah. How about other folk? Yeah, we're going, we're jumping through a lot of hoops here for something that might not make any difference. Right. Okay. <laughs> So um, we're going to consider the nomination, um, if I understand it correctly, we'll consider the nomination of Leila Hensler at the next meeting. Um, okay. Um, so did we have a motion about Leila Hensler or not? Okay. Perhaps a motion to put her a nomination on the agenda for the next uh, meeting, but that we, we don't need, need a motion. motion for that. I'll just do it. Um, okay, so anything else on the election subcommittee uh, candidates? You Actually, there was something else you, you were considering, like starting to look at people for the fourth slot, right? Uh, that, that's correct. And so we, we've reached out uh, uh, to the community and still are looking for, uh, for additional candidates uh, that fit the other groups. I, I do have a question about uh, just the logistics of that. It's my understanding, I haven't looked recently, but it's my understanding that the nomination portal is closed right now. So uh, I don't know. And we, uh, I don't know what action needs to be taken to open the nomination portal so that we can actually accept nominations. But whatever that is, I'd love to see it happen. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking over at Amy Schrago, who's been helping with this, and she's saying that the portal is open. Oh, great. Thank you. And thank you, uh, applications, so not nominations. Yeah, we still have, besides um, one slot for us to nominate, I think we're missing um, uh, Supervisor Miley's nomination still. Um, and um, I have to say, <laughs> um, I can't see this commission with, without an African-American or Black uh, member. That just seems unthinkable. 
Um, and I don't know what Commissioner Miley's going to do. So personally, I would rather hold off on the fourth slot until we know what Miley does. Um, that's just my my personal preference. I, you know, it's up to the it's up to the commission. It's not up to me. Um, but um, yeah. Any other any other thoughts about nominations? Uh, none at this time. Okay. Thank you so much for all your hard work. Um, I, as we go forward with subcommittees, I'm actually going to ask that each subcommittee do something like this, which is excellent. Really appreciate it. Uh, like a one page or less report if possible um, to be included in, in the next agenda just for every single subcommittee. Uh, we can save a lot of time and we can know if we need to agendize it and that sort of thing, uh, or just accept the report. Okay, so uh, we, we've completed item 7A. Um, and the next one um, is item 7B, consideration, consideration of recommending to the Board of Supervisors that the uh, registrar of voters be a full-time position. Um, so I just want to clarify something, which is this is not about our current registrar of voters. It's not about any particular registrar of voters at all. Uh, this is uh, this is about um, for the county in the in the long run. Should the registrar of voters um, be a full time position or uh, or a position that is shared with other uh, departments? That's the question. Um, and uh, 15 minutes is a short amount of time because I just thought it was. There's no way we could get through the whole thing anyway, so we might as well just have an opener. Um, so if anybody, you know, feel like that, but Commissioner Butter. Yeah, I would like to table the motion because I think that we need more information in order to make a, an informed decision and to discuss the issues. So I would like to see um, a document that describes what the issues are in general, and then we can talk about it at a future meeting. So there's a motion to table. Is there a second? I second that. May I make a substitute motion? Uh, I completely agree. Uh, and I'm wondering if it, uh, that's not much of a motion, is it? My motion, <laughs> I'd like to make a motion to appoint a subcommittee to collect the relevant information so that we can think through this thoroughly. I will accept the this, this substitute. All right. Um, so do we have a second? Oh, well, we already have a second for it. Does the seconder also accept the uh, recommendation? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> so, so we still have the motion to table. Um, that um, A motion, once it's seconded, it actually belongs to the entire body. It doesn't belong to just the person who made the motion. Um, and uh, so, um, so the motion to table, what that does is that moves it off the agenda and it cannot be taken up again unless somebody makes a motion to move it off the table. That's what a motion to table does. I'm not sure if that was the intent. Um, so discussion on the motion to table? Um, yes. Uh, so I believe that this is an important issue. I agree that it's not something that should be rushed into. I would be sorry to lose the opportunity to discuss the substance of the issue now in a preliminary way. Um, before we do something sensible like appointing a subcommittee. Okay, so we have a, uh, go ahead, Irene. 
the only reason why I didn't second it was because I thought that it was pretty straightforward and with just some factual information that the Registrar of Voters Office could provide to us, what is the situation now? Is it a full-time position, a part-time position? What are the duties of the current position? So I thought it could be kind of a cut and paste kind of one-page report or two-page report on what would be before us. I didn't see the need for a committee to compile that. That was just my reasoning. Uh, my understanding, it, I, that was my original feeling. <laughs> my understanding is, however, that it's more, it's more complicated than that. And I know for me personally, I want to know what other counties do. You know, and I would like us to control the examination rather than be dependent upon, again, just on principle. You know, I, I would like us to be able to dig into it ourselves. That's why I would suggest a subcommittee. Yeah, um, I'd also like to add that this is not a recommendation to be taken lightly. Um, I have done some research into other counties. There is, as far as I know, uh, no other county of this size in the United States that has this kind of arrangement. I could be wrong about that. And also, there may be good reasons why in Alameda County, we actually should do it this way, even if nobody else does. Um, and I would not want to rush into this recommendation without giving anyone with a stake in it a chance to make a, an argument that actually this is good, it's working, this is really a, a good way for Alameda County to move forward. So I, I agree that this is um, uh, worthy of a, of a subcommittee. Uh, I, I think it's, it's yeah, I, I think it's it's not a it's not cut and dried, and it's not, in, at least in my mind, not straightforward what the right answer is. Okay, I'll second it. I'll put it back on the table. Okay, we're we're, we're totally not following Robert's rules of order, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, to to go through all that would just eat up a bunch of time that we don't need to eat up. So, um, so unless somebody objects, um, the the motion to table has basically been withdrawn, if that's okay. Um, and we can take up the motion to form a subcommittee. Does anybody object to that? Okay, we do need a second to that motion. I second that motion. And let's have this, any other discussion on that motion to form a subcommittee to look into this uh, idea. The, the idea being um, whether the registrar of voters be dedicated, you know, to, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to word it. Yes. Um, yeah, I just have a question. Is there um, often there's for public entities there's like a office or department that does research for mm -hmm. things? Like you could ask a question um, and have them help you with some research. Is there anything for the county that's like that? Uh, so the county doesn't have any uh, bodies set aside for assisting the commissions that I am aware of uh, for doing ad hoc research. I think that what the commission would be expected to leverage is working with our office on some of that research. Uh, I believe that that's part of uh, the, the, the forming of this commission and uh, what the board outlined on the way to work with uh, the registrar's office. 
so who's at the is like who is the like who's this particular staff like who would that be well in most commissions there is you don't have any staff that you, i'm talking about the county's the yeah. registrar's office um so uh most likely would refer it to um our um our registrar of voters and his right-hand woman uh who would determine who was assigned to do what depending on their staffing needs because we do not have control over them um and just work together in goodwill i don't think that this is a particularly urgent item it's not like we have to have it solved by next month <laughs> of one way or the other uh and so we have time for um you know the the whoever the members of the uh, subcommittee are to do a thorough job update us once a month you know via here's what we learned but we're not ready to make a motion yet um you know and, and, until they are ready to make a motion um so um does that answer the question uh, what often happens is commissioners have to do their own research but you can reach out to academics you can reach out to community groups to see what they have to the registrar of voters office that sort of thing and get some help in that way yeah it was mostly just asking you who would typically do this in your office this kind of research because some of this seems like it has to do with budget stuff availability what how much what the fte is between so things that you got you all are going to know and that academics won't necessarily know so that was just curious uh, as uh President Lindsay has said, we, uh, depending on the type of question that comes our way, uh, uh, Cynthia, the deputy registrar, myself, will field the questions and and see uh, who can help that, with that. It, it may be maybe one of us. It may be uh, our finance team if it's a finance question. Uh, so we, it all really depends on on the type of question. But as as you've indicated, we'll be pulling on the resources that we have in the office for some of that. And then I would. I'm, it, I'm sure the commission would also uh, look for their own sources of information as well. Is that a satisfactory answer? Yeah. Okay. Um, so any other discussion of the motion? Okay. So we now have a, well, okay. Let's, let's, let's take up first whether or not we're gonna do a subcommittee and then we can figure out who's gonna be on it, all right? So I think we're ready if nobody objects to take a vote on this motion. Okay, there's no objection. Uh, Clerk, will you call the roll, please? Okay, on the motion to form our subcommittee. Vice President Valentine? Aye. Commissioner Butter? Aye. Commissioner Dieter? Aye. Commissioner Singer? Aye. Commissioner Ramon? Aye. Commissioner Desai? Aye. Commissioner Henderson? Yes. President Lindsay? Aye. So now the question is, who's going to be on it? So right now we are an eight member commission. So that means that um, uh, we can right now have four maximum of four people. Something to consider is that um, two people can communicate a lot easier than four. Um, three people can communicate easier than four. So it's a really tricky question uh, if you get four people and they're all working hard in the background and then you have somebody who's a good convener and can bring them all together and, you know, uh, make it happen, great. Um, uh, just in terms of efficiency. 
Um, but also, if there are four people that really want to be on the subcommittee, you're going to have to meet at least once a month on your own, right? Bare minimum, um, and and provide a report, um, you know, one pager or something, uh, once a month. Um, then um, I, I'm certainly I would, you know, what's that? I think two two people on the subcommittee is fine. Yeah, let's see let's see who's who wants to be on it. Um, two can be really efficient for, you know, if people really want to be on it, it's up to, it's up to this body to decide. So who would just, just be honest. If you'd really like to be on it, can you just raise your hand? Okay. Commissioner Singer. Uh, okay. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is it, uh, is it possible, uh, for the membership of a subcommittee to change? Yes. Uh, it is because, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because I'd be willing. Oh, to... oh I'm sorry. Uh, within the scope of the Brown Act. So, like, if we made a two member subcommittee, we could add somebody. Right. But if we made a four member subcommittee, sure, we, we couldn't change somebody out at that point because that's a five people to see. Oh, meeting. I see. Interesting. Okay, yeah. good. That's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, I could, I, I would be happy to do it, but I'm not going to be able to do anything in the next month. So I'm wondering if I should wait and add. That's my only concern. Um, others interested or not? Um, okay. Well, um, Is anyone willing to be appointed against their will? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Um, we're all volunteers, and when you make a volunteer do something that they don't want to do, it don't work out. Um, you know, they just don't do it. Um, so if they're your staff, that's a whole other ballgame. Um, so it could be uh, Commissioner Singer and Valentine, and you just start working with Commissioner. Yeah, and you could start doing some research and stuff, gathering yeah, information, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we actually, uh, since this is a subcommittee of the body, we would need a motion to that effect. Sorry, a motion saying that the, the subcommittee would be made up of myself and Commissioner Valentine. Yeah. I move that Commissioner Valentine and I make up this subcommittee. I'll second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, uh, would you call the roll, please? Okay, the motion to form a subcommittee with Commissioner Valentine and Lindsay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Singer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Vice President Valentine. Aye. Commissioner Butter. Aye. Commissioner Dieter. Aye. Commissioner Singer. Aye. Commissioner Ramon. Aye. Commissioner Desai? Aye. Commissioner Henderson? Aye. And President Lindsay? Aye. Thank you very much, Commissioner Singer and Valentine. So, Commissioner Singer, you're on two already, two out of two. What a beast. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, we're done with this item. Um, there's, how are we doing time wise here? Um, we're trying to finish this by, yeah. Uh, we have the, we're actually in, uh, 
Right. Um, okay. Um, shall we move on to the next item? Okay. Uh, I, I was trying to see if anybody just wanted to throw in their two bits about the issue. Um, but, you know, we have the subcommittee and we can talk about it at another meeting, right? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so uh, then item 7C is discussion and possible action on election department appropriate responsiveness to questions and comments from commissioners, government, staff, the press, and the public. Um, so um, we have a similar sort of situation with a really complex problem. You know, um, we could have some discussion about the topic um, or somebody could, could make a motion right away first, or we could discuss it a little bit and have a motion later. It's up to you guys. Um, so who has something to say or a motion to make? It, it seems like this could be a, a substantive topic. And so I would move that we uh, put this on the topic for the March meeting. Okay, so just, so the um, so we would discuss it for 15 minutes today, which is what we have, um, and then also continue it to March. Well, my motion would be to discuss it in March. Oh, to not discuss it today. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess is that tabling it? Oh, that's that that that's actually postponing it. Today. Okay, I, I'm going to postpone. I recommend that we postpone. I move that we postpone it until March. I'd second that motion. Discussion. The, mo the motion is to uh, um, postpone this until the March meeting. I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, what is appropriate responsiveness? Is that about timing? Is it about? Is, I mean, what's the T timing and content was the intent? It's a little vague, but you know. Did, did I answer your question? Both timing and content. Both timing and content. Okay. Um, I guess the content part is so, like, it depends on the question, right? And we don't know. It, I mean, it just seems like, like, I don't know, you know, it, it's so vague about mm -hmm. the con, the piece about timing. Sure, we want you to respond within, you know, two business days or something. But I don't quite get, like, because people can ask any question they want. So I don't know how we sort of, you know, um, tell them what they can and cannot say. Yes, uh, understood. Um, so I saw uh, Commissioner Dieter's hand up and I saw Commissioner Singer hand up. So Commissioner Dieter. I would just want to say, I would find it helpful to have a explanation of agenda items, a paragraph or two to talk about what it is that would be before us. Uh, duly noted, Commissioner Singer. Um, it would also help uh, to have clarity on whether, for instance, for C, is, is there an actual motion in this language? Is the language intended to drive a particular motion based on this language, or is it to drive a discussion that may result in a motion on the topic described. Uh, in what part our C. thinking, what our thinking was, was to to start a discussion. I mean, this is way too big, you know, to possibly be handled today. 
So uh, the intent was that there be a discussion, uh, maybe a subcommittee, but I wanted to leave it up to people. And the, and the decision was, and maybe we could actually, if possible, maybe get some feedback from the staff in terms of a short report, not a 25-page report, but a short report, if that makes sense and if, uh, if legal sort of allows it. Um, but that would probably be helpful. Um, so, um, so people just started off with more information. Can I, can I yeah. ask oh, of course, of course. To be more specific, if that's helpful. Um, I think, uh, part of this comes from experiences people have had where they, um, in their perception, they've contacted the registrar of voters and it's taken a while to get a response of some kind. Um, but, but any individual may not realize how many different types of requests you get. And there actually are sort of different, different categories and different types of limitations that you may face that would be useful for us to know a little bit more about as we consider the topic. So that might be uh, information that would help us have a productive conversation if that's possible. So just to rephrase it, yeah. uh, it sounds like you're asking if in March, uh, we could come back and give you some sort of sample of the types of communications that come to our office, perhaps randomly or structured, uh, you know, with there's different types. We have the, we have the different public records acts requests that come to us. We have, uh, we have voters that ask us questions. We have candidates that ask us questions, depending on the stage of the election. Um, we have questions that come at, that um, are of legal nature that we may not be able to answer because of our legal stance. Um, so if what you're asking is, I put, I put something or we put something together of a sampling, I mean, it, it'd be very difficult to be all inclusive of every type of communication, but maybe a, a categorized type of uh, list of different communications. Yeah, I think even more, I mean, thinking of your time and making it as easy as possible for you and also, but so that we can have a productive discussion. Mm -hmm. um, it, I wouldn't spend a whole bunch of time trying to find wonderful examples. Um, although if you have some that you think are helpful, please share them if it's easy to do, but just like categories, descriptions, if, if that's easier, do what's easiest for you. That's again, going to help us focus on what matters and understand the scope of conditions that you experience. Understood. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Singer. And um, if it's not burdensome, if you can give just an order of magnitude, you know, do you get a couple of the, for each, each one, you know, do you get a couple of them? Do you get tens of them, hundreds of them, thousands of them? Uh, to the extent that's easy to do, that's very helpful for us. So again, not to, um, to overstate this, the election is on March 5th. And so I will, we will do our best, uh, but it won't be our priority, I'm afraid. It's going to be processing the election. I actually wonder if we shouldn't put this off till April. Yeah, we should do that. I mean, they're busy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an important, this is an important thing to talk about, but again, it can wait until after the election so we can get good information. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a good idea to postpone it, give, give you more time. But I know like in our city, we have a sunshine ordinance that requires that 
the agency responds within 10 days. I don't know if you or you have the same constraints. I, I'm not exactly sure, but those would be the types of things that we would like to hear. Okay, so we'll, we'll do that in, it sounds like April. Yeah. Okay. That seems more reasonable under the conditions. So uh, if there's no objection, the motion is being amended. It seems like everybody's kind of okay with it um, to be April. We'll put it on the April agenda. Shall we just say April? Okay. okay. Well, if you can't get to it till April, I don't. Okay. Okay. Day, but. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Okay, can somebody actually make that motion? Uh, the chair should not be making motions unless it's an uh, emergency. Go ahead. I make a motion that this uh, item on the agenda be postponed till a time as soon as, as soon as the Registrar of Voters Office is prepared to give us a report. I second. Discussion on the motion? This is a motion to postpone indefinitely, but it's sort of implied that we do want to get to it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Has it been seconded? It has been seconded, so it's discussion. No discussion. I, I take the motion at, to postpone indefinitely since it's not a definite. Right, a definite one, uh, but with the understanding that we'll work together and get it on the agenda as soon as we reasonably can, which will probably be April. That's not part of the motion. Um, so the motion is just postpone indefinitely. Okay. Um, everybody understands that? Okay. Uh, clerk, can you call the roll, please? Okay. Voting on, on the motion to postpone indefinitely, postpone item 7C. Oh, oh uh, hang on one second. I just. For the record, I feel like I need to say this. Obviously, if for some reason it's getting postponed beyond that, we can always make a new motion to accelerate it. So, right. I did not yeah. say indefinitely. I said right. as soon as possible. Um, so I can give direction with that motion to um, try to make the uh, April meeting. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. So you're proposing an, <laughs> proposing an amendment to say as soon as possible, preferably April. Is that what, that that would be your motion? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, did you catch that, Noe? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Can can you re, can you read it back just to make sure we're good? We're going to vote on. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, oh, thank you. We do need a second. I second. Okay. How do you how do you just tell us what 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 you got? And basically, you're going to vote on the motion to postpone agenda item seven C uh, to a later date, but possible or to have it on April. Preferably, preferably April. Yeah. As soon as possible, preferably, preferably April. All right. And it's been made and seconded. No further discussion. Okay, we can call the roll now. Okay, going to vote on the motion to uh, postpone agenda item 7C uh, to as soon as possible and preferably the April meeting. Vice President Valentine. 
Aye. Commissioner Butter? Aye. Commissioner Dieter? Aye. Commissioner Singer? Aye. Commissioner Ramon? Aye. Commissioner Henderson? Aye. And President Lindsay? Yes, aye. Uh, okay, super. So we are at 6.05 um, and that we're now going to move the agenda to item seven, public comment on uh, non-agenda items. That's what we put. So we kind of need to stick to it this time, but you had a really good point. I don't see why. Uh, yeah, President Lindsay, just yes. a point of order. Uh, there's an error in the numbering on the agenda. Oh. Uh, so you may want oh, to call two item out. sevens. Yes. Oh, so uh, everybody, including the clerk, please, for the minutes. Um, item eight is public comment. And item nine, and then we have to change the next two to be nine and 10. Oi, okay, my bad. Thank you for catching that. So we're now on item eight, public comment on um, non-agenda items. Um, all right. Okay, and first public comment on non-agenda items. Uh, in person, Sydney Rocha. Have two minutes. Thank you. I'm turning this away because I can't see the the time clock. Otherwise, um, there's there's a lot of tabling going on, and I think. For the most part, the meeting, you're trying to get things going. I get that. Um, I really appreciate Commissioner Singer because I think that you're trying to get things moving and I think you're reading some resistance. But I, I would hope that things don't get tabled as often as they have in this meeting. Things really need to get done. So thank you, Commissioner Singer. And um, President Lindsay, I think you're also trying to get things moving and you're being very deferential and, and I understand that. Um, one thing I do hope that happens very soon, obviously it's too late for the March primary, but the voter roll needs to be cleaned up, okay? I have in my own home, I'm getting uh, ballots for people that have used my address in the past and they're no longer there. They're, they, they moved to Arizona and Texas. I know today I was made aware of uh, a ballot that was received by um, a non-citizen and he's received one every year for the past couple of years. And he's throwing up, he, he's, he doesn't know what to do other than he hasn't opened up his ballot. He's not ready to, to use his ballot, but we've been made aware of it. We would like to know when is the, the voter roll for Alameda County going to be cleaned up? Because 
if you compare us to another county, it's not being done. Okay, we already have talked about the issue of our registrar sharing his time with the IT department. And, you know, I understand if we have to do it fine, but let's at least get the voter roll cleaned up and let us know when that's going to happen. When is that going to be, when is the public going to know that the voter roll is cleaned up? We really need to know when that's going to happen. Maybe not this, this primary, but in November. November is, that's the big one, right? That's where all the questions and all the finger pointing is going to happen. At least let's get the voter roll cleaned up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, online, Steve Chesson. You Thank minutes. you. Steve Chesson again, President of Californians for Electoral Reform. The Dominion equipment you have allows voters to rank up to 10 candidates. But in the last election, the registrar arbitrarily set a limit of five rankings, even when there were more candidates. I note that Oakland's charter, section 1105C, says that the ranked choice voting ballot shall allow voters to rank as many choices as there are candidates. Section 1105K1 says, in the event that the voting equipment cannot feasibly accommodate a number of rankings on the ballot equal to the number of candidates, the city clerk may limit the number of choices a voter may rank to the maximum number allowed by the equipment. The maximum number allowed by the equipment, not to some arbitrary limit set by the registrar. The maximum allowed by the Dominion equipment is 10, not five. The city of Albany RCV ordinance has language similar to Oakland's charter language. The language in Berkeley's and San Leandro's ordinances is more permissive, but that does not eliminate the registrar's requirement to implement RCV according to the Oakland charter and the Albany ordinance. And while the respective city clerks may have agreed to the artificial limitation, you cannot agree to violate a law. Well, you can, but then it is called a conspiracy. In the 2022 Oakland mayor's race, there were 10 candidates. It had an exhausted ballot rate of 9.3%. Every other RCV contest on the ballot had five or fewer candidates, and each of them had a lower exhausted ballot rate. Plus, in those contests, every exhausted ballot was from a voter who deliberately chose not to rank more candidates. In the Oakland mayor's contest, we do not know how many of those voters who ranked five candidates would have ranked more had they been allowed to. Please instruct the registrar to remove the artificial limit of five rankings and leave the limit at the machine's limit of 10, as that is Oakland's and Albany's legal requirement. Thank you very much. Okay, online, John Guerrero. You have two minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, it's gonna be a little hard, but I'm gonna try to uh, give you an analogy, maybe oversimplified, but I'm trying to make a point here uh, what we're looking for is, you know, as far as the transparency uh, in our elections is that uh, let, let's compare it to, uh, to, to to your bank statement, or I can go online and look at my, you know, my bank. I can see when the deposits come in. I can see when they, the dates that they come in. I see the amounts and I also see, you know, the withdrawals, uh, you know, checks uh, once in a while. Yes, I do write a check. Um, but yeah, mostly, you know, uh, credit card charges or debit card charges, when they came in, how much they are and who are they from. And uh, no question, I can call up and, you know, even dispute one or two, you know, when when necessary. And they'll say, did, did you do this? And I'll say, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Now, in, in our elections, uh, it kind of was like that when we had the pre before VCA, when we 
were precincts because the precincts did all ballot counting. And they would actually just uh, report that into the ROV, which basically is like a bank just doing, doing the state, but they actually didn't count the ballots at the ROV before. They were, that was all counted at the precincts, uh, minus, you know, the vote by mail stuff. And if you made a, if you had a dispute, well, you could just call up the pre who was in charge of that precinct and said, you know, does this, this really match? Did you, these votes really match? He goes, yeah, that's what we tabulated that evening. I didn't have to talk to the ROV because the ROV really was just the aggregator of this stuff. And that's the kind of transparency that we're looking for. And that's the kind of transparency we don't have today. We have no idea really what, when the ballots came in, where they came from, how many, uh, and, and and that's really what we're looking for. It's really that simple. Thank you. Okay, thank you, John. Um, online, Jackie Coda. You have two minutes. Thank you. I want to just uh, uh, talk about real quick uh, the VCA. It's interesting that uh, some of our, our commissioners have asked the questions about chain of custody. We've been asking about that as well. Election code 15104 gives us the opportunity to actually follow the vote by mail ballot as an observer from cradle to grave, from the time it enters until the time that it's put through the machines and even afterwards when it's sealed up in the box and the 1% tally happens. So. We have not been able to see that entire process. And we appreciate the commissioners actually, because Commissioner Singer asking for these, these questions about wanting to know the process of chain of custody because the voters, the EPA, the election administration plan does not spell that out, the actual process, as well as like one of my associates mentioned just recently as well, is how many ballots have come in? How many ballots have come in prior to election day. We've seen in the CVRs that the vote day ballots in the 11 day centers and the four day centers were not even put through or tabulated until 10 days after the election. Why is that? So we would like to have a subcommittee created. Uh, we sent you some information and we'll be speaking to Commissioner Singer um, about more details. But we really as a county need to start looking at why we are a VCA, because when we were a precinct a, a, a county and our votes were actually counted out at the precinct on an election day, we had the results the next day. Everything was transparent and we didn't have all the problems that we've had in the recent days. And we want to go back to that because we want our results the next day after election day. Thank you. Someone else. Thank you. Online, Pedro Fernandez. Good evening. Thank you. Um, uh, congratulations to the commission for your meeting this evening. Uh, it was rather I, I think it was great to kind of see you move along, consider important questions, and take on task. Um, some of the things that I think are uh, outstanding that I think 
you should consider uh, putting on the agenda as an informational item or maybe at some point after this election getting information from the ROV is um, more details around the way uh, the ROV uh, 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 conducts its uh, facsimile ballot program. Some of the questions that I have, and they also relate to, you know, the capabilities of the voting system as well, is that um, uh, uh, it was discussed that the facsimile ballots are mailed to folks who indicate a language preference when we know that some folks may not know to indicate a language preference and that the only time a person might have access to a facsimile ballot might be at a vote center. Some, But we also allow for in-language ballots to be available or, or via, a, you know, via ballot or ballot marking devices. And it would be great to kind of get an understanding of what the current capabilities of the voting system are. Um, so I would, I would recommend that the commission explore that. The other question is more about we we were looped in on a communication that the ACLU flagged for the ROV around some uh, correction on their mailer around uh, uh, voting rights of people convicted of a felony. We did get understand that the ROV was responsive and we'll keep the commission updated um, on that matter at a future time. Uh, thank you. But we were excited to see that the ROV was responsive. Uh, In-person public comment, Hunter Kopp. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. All right. Um, first of all, let me say I appreciate the members of the commission who um, helped do something about the uh, my hearing the, the proceedings because it definitely helped me sitting over there. Um, also, I, I could just make a comment. It also makes a big difference when people speak directly into the microphone. Um, if you're sitting right next to a microphone, it helps a lot. Um, so anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to just mention, uh, I think most of you have maybe gotten a copy of this um, either by email or a, hand, a, a printout it's called the uh, troubling anomaly in the 2022, uh, 2022 election, um, which um, John Guerrero and and I and myself uh, put together. Um, and I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but I'll just say a little bit because you can you can read the details of it. It's it's a fairly short presentation. Maybe you've looked at it already, but it's I think it's. It is very disturbing what's presented there and, and something that does need to be looked into. Um, because what it what it shows, I mean, it, it's taking off on the cast vote record, which is the, um, the record of the cumulative tally of the votes. Um, and there's a certain pattern that's expected in how you you would see a graph of of of, an, of the accumulated votes, the, the the cumulative adding of the votes that they would 
be um, proceeding towards a certain endpoint. And if that, if it veers off from that, then something strange is going on. Thank you, Hunter. Online, Stephen Hill. Good evening, commissioners. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Great, thank you. Congratulations, commissioners, on getting through uh, your agenda and uh, moving forward with uh, establishing a commission in Alameda County. Um, I wanted to comment on the discussion on um, the Brown Act. Uh, I thought it was confused. At least I came away very confused. I've been doing public policy work for 30 years and have been in many Brown Act situations. Um, one thing that was lacking from it, I thought, was the word quorum and what a quorum is and what it means. Uh, a quorum is the num the minimum number of the max the minimum number of people you need to to have an election uh, a meeting, and with eight of you, a quorum would be five. So that means that any four of you can actually meet together, talk together, whatever you want to do, as long as there isn't already an established subcommittee uh, that two of you are on that would constitute a quorum of the subcommittee. Um, the, uh, in fact, the word subcommittee was ranged. I think it was said that any two of you getting together is a subcommittee. That's actually not correct. A subcommittee has to be a a. Uh, uh, a, a duly created subcommittee of your commission as you did tonight to create a subcommittee just because two of you meet on the street and start talking that is not a subcommittee um it's and in fact it's okay for you to talk in that fashion as long as you aren't on a subcommittee of two or three people um so i i think there needs to be more discussion about this the um the idea that someone like myself could call a commissioner and have a conversation with you and you would say, um, well, don't talk to anyone else about this. Otherwise, we're violating the Brown Act. That's just not correct. I, I, I would have to talk to f five of you in order to have even a serial meeting. And so I, I feel like you don't want to hamstring yourselves in a way that creates uh, barriers that aren't actually part of the Brown Act. And so I hope we can. Thank you, caller. Uh, just want to clarify. Um... I'm, I'm loath to tell people to be quiet, but um, this is supposed to be things that are not on the agenda item, that were not on the agenda. Um, and just a point of clarification, the, the points were good. Uh, what I did not say, what I said is that it's a de facto subcommittee, not an official subcommittee, just to clarify that. Um, but, but, but thank you for the call. And next time, as Cindy suggested, I think we're gonna allow people to talk about whatever they want for their two minutes, right? Um, okay, go ahead and continue. Online caller, Gerald Petschnack. Yes, can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. Uh, since uh, Chairman Lindsay uh, answered the last question uh, in dialogue with the caller, Stephen Hill, I would request him to answer the following. Uh, according to the letter from the president of the uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation, which I have in my hand, I'm reading from, for more than four months, we've been trying to obtain from Alameda County records about foreign nationals getting on the voter rolls. Alameda County's lack of transparency is concerning 
as we enter a presidential election year. The public has a right to inspect records, including important records that reveal mistakes and errors by election officials. For nearly a decade, uh, public interest uh, has uh, gotten cancellation reports from Arizona, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Michigan, Nevada, and other states. So the question is, by January 19th, uh, uh, ROV head Dupuis said they would have their information. January 19th came and gone. We heard from another caller that there are people who are uh, not legally allowed to vote, getting ballots in the mail. Uh, we already have documenting cases of that. So obviously we need, uh, what I'm requesting is a deadline to get this information. Uh, Chairman Lindsay, can you get these guys to do their job so the public can be reassured that foreign nationals who are not allowed to vote will not be getting ballots why have they not answered the questions? Thank you. Next caller, please. That is everyone. Good. President Lindsay, could you turn on your mic? Um, did, do I, okay. So I'm not going to repeat all that, but um, so request for future agenda items. Um, and this can also be done just by emailing me or texting me or something. Uh, but go ahead. Uh, number one, um, I would like to put on the agenda discussing voter engagement um, in Alameda County and the role that the registrar is playing, could be playing um, in um, making that stronger. Um, number two, uh, there have been several comments from the public about legal compliance in various ways. Uh, one about ranked choice voting, one of, uh, I think also about public records. Um, and I think at some point we should have, uh, we should really collect those and uh, have an agenda item uh, to discuss, uh, you know, whether in fact Alameda County is out of uh, compliance on things. And if so, um, you know, what's our process for bringing us into compliance? Um, um, number three on the processes around voter roll maintenance. Um, uh, partly, uh, uh, I'd like to give the registrar uh, or someone from the registrar's office a chance to explain, you know, inactive versus active voters. Uh, that's what they're called in Pennsylvania. I'm sure there's something similar here. <laughs> um, and uh, also, you know, the various processes for cleaning the rolls and the timelines and the, the um, uh, how much discretion you actually have and all issues around the voter rolls. Um, that's number three. And number four, I would like an agenda item to respond to this document that was submitted by um, Ataka um, 
uh, by Hunter Cobb and John Guerrero. That, is that the troubling anomaly document? That is the title of the document, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Any other requests for uh, future agenda items? That... Okay. Uh, troubling, I got a troubling anomaly uh, document. Okay, I got, I got it. Um, okay, if there's none others, and like I said, you can always, you don't have to do it here, you can do it in another way also. Um, then if there's no objection, we can adjourn. Does any object to, anybody object to us adjourning? Hearing none, we are adjourned. Thank you, everyone.